I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm not Carrington Vanston. You're not? No, I'm Mike McGinnis. That's a good thing to be, too. It is, and you guys are listening to the latest episode of the No Quarter Podcast, the weekly podcast about classic video arcade games. I've heard good things about that show. I've heard bad things about that show. I've spread bad things, but I've heard well, good things. yeah, me too. Uh, so how are you, Carrington? I'm excellent, and I'm enjoying my uh, Christmas time holidays. Great. You had a good Christmas and Boxing Day and all that fun stuff? I did, yes. I was complimenting you earlier on your awareness of the existence of Boxing Day. Yes. As a Canadian, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, somebody told me that there was, there was something outside America's borders, so I figured <laughs> I should probably check it out. It's vague knowledge that there's something out there. <laughs> well, you know, it distracted me from my guns and my, my french fries. And... Yeehaw! <laughs> my obesity. But yeah, I've had, a, I've had a fantastic Christmas. How about you, Mike? Uh, it was pretty good. I, I actually got one of the, the kind of geeky, podcasty-related toys that I was fingers crossed for, hoping to get, but I uh, didn't expect to. Um, my parents bought me a uh, the Zoom uh, H4N handy recorder. Such a great gadget. Yeah, I'm having a great time playing with it, and I can't wait to incorporate it somehow into our podcasting here. Yeah, I have used the Zoom H4n a bunch of times um, as a standalone recorder, as a preamp for mics, as a preamp for mics that then route into, it can route things by USB into your computer, it can record at the same time as doing that, it can mix multiple sources. It's like this half a pound magic box of do anything with audio. <laughs> Crazily good device. So in other words, it's, it's really, really awesome. It is really, you know, it's even better than that. <laughs> yeah, any listeners that we have, I, I know a lot of people who listen to podcasts are also interested in things like podcasting and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely a, a piece of gear I would recommend wholeheartedly to anybody interested in audio recording. Great. Yeah, yeah, good, good. That's a, that's a good gift. You, but as, you snagged a good one. As good as my gift is, you got yourself something even better, didn't you? Oh, I got myself something pretty sweet. Why don't you tell us all about it? <laughs> I somehow crazily have lucked into a Fixit Felix Jr. Um, full-size stand-up arcade cabinet made by Disney. Oh, my God. What? How, how did you get that? Well, um, it's a weird story. And, and one of those things where I, I sort of... Keep, I look over my right shoulder and I see it's it there right now. And I'm like, how, how the heck did this happen? <laughs> the, the very short version is, um, you may not have heard, but I am the luckiest person in the world. I'm, so, I'm learning that, yes. Yeah, it's crazy, the stuff that happens. Um, so in this case, I had decided, and this all has happened since the last time we recorded. On our last show, I was talking about how, oh, you know, I'd like to have a cabinet, but I wouldn't have any room, or etc. So this is like less um, than a week ago. Yes, I now have one here, and oddly, it's the second cabinet cabinet I've purchased. I actually purchased a cabinet that's on its way here and hasn't arrived. And after purchasing that, within 24 hours, had picked up this one. Um, oh my goodness. None of this being planned at all. So what happened was, because I decided that, you know what, maybe I, I can somehow make space in my tiny little downtown condo and, and have a cabinet. Um, I decided to look at and, and, and select what I would want to have and, and purchase it. But then, because I was looking around, I just, you know, was searching for different keywords and stuff and, and went on Craigslist to see what might be local up here in Canada. The, the pickings are slim. Sure. And coincidentally, like I searched for just something along the lines of like arcade cabinet for sale or arcade cabinet or something like that. And a f literally less than five minutes earlier, somebody's ad uh, got posted 
saying that they had won one of these Fix-It Felix Jr. cabinets. Um, they thought it was probably around, I think there was only seven available. I've subsequently talked to a person at Disney, and it turns out there's 12 of these. So they made 12 of these cabinets, nine of which were retained by Disney, and three what? were sort of sent out into the world. Wait, so so there, there are only 12 in total there are, ever made, and you, you have one of three that are, are possibly available. <laughs> yes. Wow. Awesome. I'm so, so envious. Oh, so what happened God. was early in the year for the movie Wreck-It Ralph, which I adored, um, Disney did a, a marketing campaign where they were asking for if anybody still had old Fixit Felix Jr. cabinets, which, of course, didn't really exist, but it was part of the marketing campaign. They were saying they were on the lookout to try to get them. Mm-hmm. And what they really were was they were looking for old, non-working Donkey Kong cabinets. And then oh. they took a bunch of those, and they made them. Uh, they did new art on them, and but they, most of them just didn't even have any guts in them. So they put Fixit Felix Jr. art around them and then intentionally scratched them and damaged them up and pulled <laughs> off bits of the arts to make them look like they were from nice. 1981. And then they set those out in movie theaters, in, in the actual cinemas, as part of the promotion. So there's a bunch of those. And I think there were, they, they told me there was something like 25 or 30 of those. But then they took a smaller subset and decided to actually make the game. And that's the game that's available now. You can go online and play it. It's a Flash game. It's on iOS. You can play actual Fix-It Felix Jr., and they decided to make an actual functioning cabinet. So, so you're, they, you're one of three people that can actually play it on a real cabinet. Yes, exactly. Oh. And so they made these, and the, and the press got to come in and play on these ones. Um, one then got uh, given away in like a charity auction, and I think two more were given away by a, an actual just auction. You could When the, the movie was coming out, you could enter a contest to win one of these, these cabinets they were going to give away, the few that wouldn't go into Disney. And a person here in Canada happened to win the cabinet, and they lived in a little tiny town about two and a half hours west of the city. Like, wait, I never even heard of the place. Little tiny farm community. You know, a town of 500 people. Sure. They won this thing, decided, well, that's kind of interesting, but who the heck would actually want one of these things? They, they thought they were entering the contest to win tickets, and they actually won this thing. They then got delivered to their house. They decided, well, I don't really want it. Let's just sell it. So they stuck it on Craigslist. Five minutes later, I happened to look, just because I was looking for something else, saw this, and immediately emailed the person saying, I'd like to purchase it. I'll purchase it right now. As a sign of good faith, I would transfer the money to you now. <laughs> like, I was just like, let's use a wire bank transfer. And I said, I'll just pay. Because I, mean, I figured there would be a swarm of people looking to grab it at mm, a far true. higher price than I would ever, ever pay. I'm not going to shell out thousands of dollars for a video game. Right. So, um, so I gave them a, a couple hundred bucks. They said, great, sounds awesome. And I said, I will, I'll pick it up tomorrow. So this was like the Friday. And then I drove, I, I borrowed a truck um, uh, from my sponsor, my podcast sponsor, Nava. So I said, I need a truck with one of those <laughs> powered gates on the back and I'll be back in six hours. <laughs> so I drove <laughs> off to the middle of nowhere. And by the time I got there, they said, you know, if, if you change your mind, we, we've had people calling us and right, two guys just dropped by saying they'd want to take it. But, you know, mm-hmm. a deal's a deal. So it's yours. And while I was there loading it, another person showed up saying are you the guys who bought, I'll buy it off you like I want this thing just like you know a lot of people seem to want to get their hands on this thing and I'm like no dude I want my first cabinet leave me alone <laughs> um, so I loaded up and, and drove it home and now I am the uh, I finally actually have my own stand up arcade cabinet it, not one I would have thought I'd have um, but I'm really really happy with it it's really fun to play wow that's really awesome it's an odd story, but yes, I now have sitting in my little den here a Fix-It Felix Jr. cabinet roughed up by hand by Disney <laughs> to make it look way older than it is. 
Now, have you have you scored a have you set a high score on that, that cabinet yet? I did, but the high score is set to only fifteen thousand on the cabinet. So uh, on my my second game, I, I blew past that to thirty something. Ah. Um, I was talking to my sister today, and she said, "Well, there's only a few of these out there. Don't you technically have a good shot at getting the official world record? Because how many people can actually play it on the cabinet?" Well, she has a point. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's been really fun. It's totally exciting and bizarre turn of events since our last show. Great. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. And if I ever get up that way, I'll, I'll stop by and knock on your door and uh, beg to play it. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, so on to our user feedback. So I, I'm feeling kind of bad about this because I can't find the guy's email or maybe he sent me a tweet. I, I'm not sure. But I got a... Uh, contact from somebody who pointed out and we've been talking uh recently about how, how much i despise uh pinball emulation uh I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding i don't don't hate it that much uh but we got he, feedback that said shame on you and how right. dare you sir that's right and he sent me the sent me to a he sent me a url to a webpage that has a, a list of pinball machines of, that are designed around classic arcade games instead of the other way around uh, which I thought was really neat, and it sort of fits into uh, the game that we're going to be talking about today because Tempest was also released in 1982, I think, as one of 12 pinball machines made by Atari that were based on their classic or their their very popular uh, arcade games. Very cool. And it'd be sort of neat to see how an arcade game gets, like, what they choose to do when they convert it to a, a pinball game, like what features stay in and that kind of stuff, and what do they focus on design-wise? You know, I think there might be um, a YouTube video of that, actually. Let me check that. Because if we had show notes... Well, if we had show notes... Well, well I was going to say I could uh, I could send... You know, next week we'll put the URL... Uh, up of this page that the guy sent me, but we don't keep show notes, so who cares? We, right? we will have them very shortly, though. The show notes code seems you to know, be working. So. You, keep, you keep threatening with that, and I just don't see it happening. I think you should believe me. I'm very <laughs> convincing. Yeah, but if you if you Google uh, Tempest Pinball, there's quite a bit about the Atari Tempest Pinball table. Very cool. Yeah. What about you, Carrington? Well, it's mostly a holiday week, so I got some stuff on Twitter, but really just the one email I thought that stood out that's okay. worth mentioning. A fellow named Doug wrote in. Um, he didn't say where he is now, scanning over his email, but he did write that he says that he used to live in Toronto, so it's, it sort of ties into the story we were just talking about. Anyway, uh, he wrote to tell me that I was wrong to state in a previous episode that there are no longer any arcades here in Toronto, because mm-hmm. he writes, uh, what does it say, um, there is still at least one, Palladium in Mississauga still exists. It has uh, a lot of arcade games, but not many classic ones. But perhaps you can go there to get your arcade fix on sometimes. Um, and his name is Doug, and he signed off as, quotes, Dig Doug. So that was pretty <laughs> funny. So thank you, Dig Doug. Um, and I used his... I'd forgotten all about that. So Palladium, I think they exist in the States as well. Sort of a big arcade-type chain. Do you guys do you have them down there? Um, well, possibly. It's not one that I've heard of. I know that there there are a few... My, there are a few little chains around, you know, like in Denver, we have the one up and they have the two up and there's, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. I, I haven't heard of Palladium, but that doesn't mean it's not here somewhere. Yeah. So there used to be one years ago in downtown Toronto as well. I didn't really like it that much, but this is one of those ones where you don't use coins or even tokens. You get a, a, a swipe card that you pile up with time. Oh, like Dave and Buster's or something. It's exactly the sort of systems. We used to have a Dave and Buster's here too, but it went under. So, oh, well, Toronto doesn't support its arcades. So, <laughs> um, so 
as we're going to talk about shortly, Tempest was this week's game for us to play. A game that I absolutely adore. Yes. But I don't have a spinner on my main machine or on my PC or my Mac or on really anything. And and uh, I hadn't hooked one up, even though we sort of talked earlier about maybe trying to jury-rig something. So I used Doug's advice because my scores were terrible. You'll notice on Twitter this week, I was not posting any screenshots. Oh, sure. Blame the equipment. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's always a way to tell I'm doing poorly. <laughs> so I decided I'm to trek all the way out to Palladium today. So earlier this morning, I, I drove all the way out there um, to this other city sort of adjacent to Toronto and... Uh, loaded up a card with some time and, and went there to grab a Tempest machine to, and hopefully and, and see if I can do a better better score. Uh, it didn't work though because it turns out at Palladium, unlike what Dig Dug told me, there are no classic games at all. Not no, one. No. So it really <laughs> is like Dave and Buster's. It is. There was nothing. There was there's one four up um, versus Pac-Man machine but that's not really classic at all. That's the new thing. Yeah. And one game called Frogger that was essentially the Frogger game except the frog itself was huge and it's a redemption game like you get tickets and and there's bugs oh. all over the screen so you're actually hopping around trying to eat the bugs and 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 well you play frogger and then you get tickets for a totally different game but also called frogger oh, and that was it i'd never heard of that and, yeah modern modern arcade games i played a bunch of them because i was there sure. i'd driven all the way out there and i'd loaded up my card yeah but to me they're all sort of the same game like there's a shooting game and whether it's a machine gun type thing or a pistol game it's it's got the foot pedal. It's the exact same game. And the racing games are all sort of interchangeable to me. And it just, I don't know, just none of them really seem to appeal to me at all. I'm such a classic game snob. Well, I think that's, I think that, that what the game makers are discovering is that there's there's one or two formulas that really work. And so they just keep cranking out clones of the same thing that, that, stick, that adhere to this formula and putting a new coat of paint on it. Yeah, um, but it's funny. They're all just you know desperately trying to be more and more photorealistic. Right. And that's not really what makes a great game. No, it's so all it's about just the like, gameplay. Oh, yeah, totally. So this was just you know better looking cars or better looking airplanes or mechs or or monsters or what have you. But the gameplay just seemed to be the same soulless games over and over again. So just I left with my card half unused. I just didn't even bother emptying it out. It was just very disappointing. And mostly no tempest. <laughs> so my <laughs> my sucky high score stands. Well, speaking of that, how'd you do? I did. Okay, jump down to my high score. Uh, my high score was an embarrassingly terrible 22,412. Um, I know. I just, I, like, and I, I asked for game tips, and, and, and I got a couple, but I didn't really understand them. <laughs> so we can maybe talk about those. I don't understand. Like, I love this game. And back in the day, I adored it. I know I used to do better, but uh, between my oldness and the use of a joystick, I just got destroyed. Mm, what about you, Mike? Yeah. Well, I actually have an X-Arcade uh, joystick that we've talked about before, and I modified it with a spinner. Um, so I did a little bit better. And now, Tempest has a weird scoring system. So you can start later in the game if you want to, and you can skip those early, earlier levels. So you can begin with 65,000 points and work Yeah, my there. score was from the beginning. Yeah. Like I did a score from the So I, I tried, I tried, I tried, um, when I started on level one, my high score was 61,959. Oh my God. Um, well, but when I got to, when I jumped to, started, uh, started on level nine, um, just, I, when you start the game, you drop the quarter and you can choose what level you want to start at. I started at nine, and I forget what it gives you to start with, but I only ended up a few thousand points above that uh, uh, on level 10, the next level up, and that was 65,994. The thing is, when you go into the high score list, it doesn't tell you what level you started on. So you've it's, it's kind of a maybe a cheat a little bit that you can jump all the way into this game and start with a really high score. 
Well, it does seem to be that the official, um, you know, the official rankings are based on starting on level nine. I just Googled it. So it looks like that's actually a totally valid way to begin. Hmm, okay. Well, I, yeah, I think that I think the way it works is that, that you can't choose a higher level um, than what you've played up to. And, and, and Atari called it this. They actually introduced that this game system called the skill set, uh, the skill step progressive play feature. Uh, otherwise yeah. known as cheating. Yes. The, according to the flyer, it offers players a choice of 28 difficulty levels, operator uh, options that include 10 selectable bonus lives, easy, medium, or hard settings. So it kind of gets complex, even in the game setup. Now, once you get into the game, it's really easy. Um, I mean, you well, let me pull up the handy, handy file here. Um, so Tempest is a classic into the screen shoot 'em up in which the player controls a yellow claw-shaped blaster ship that moves around the outer rim of a three-dimensional wireframe tunnel. Uh, enemies move down the tunnel towards the player's ship and must be destroyed. Any contact with either incoming fire or enemies themselves will cost the player a life. Completion of a tunnel will see the player warp to the next level to tackle a new wave of enemies. And that's pretty much all it is. It gets faster and, and harder. You get The enemies move faster and you start getting these things called spikes that come up from the bottom and you have to shoot them down because when the level ends and you zoom to the next one, if you go down a little tube with a spike, you're dead. But you can shoot the spikes if you're quick enough and sort of try to eat away at them if there's not too many of them. Right. That, that was the question I was going to ask you, whether you see this as something where you're looking down or looking up. I thought as I'm at the top of a, like the rim of a hole looking down. Um, but I see some people online see it the other way, like the enemies are aliens coming down at you. Yeah, I always feel like I'm looking down into a well. And these okay, are, these so are things coming up. Yeah. Uh, so, so you and I are insane, and everybody else is correct on that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. clearly, the only way to take that. Uh, each, <laughs> uh, each. Well, not not every level. Um, there are 99 skill levels of play included in 16 different play fields and seven different seven different enemy targets. Uh, Tempest has several level shapes. Um, there are 16 of them, as I said, uh, ranging from simple geometric s- circles and squares. Uh, to more complex shapes like the plus symbol, a bow tie, a stylized cross, um, a heart, and the infinity symbol. Infinity symbol? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, some of them, uh, like you start with things like the, the, the simple ones that are just, you know, a circle, that kind of stuff. And you can spin all the way around the outside edge. But then there are some shapes which you are really going like back and forth on, that it's not a complete loop. And um, like I got to this V shape and, and I had to go back and forth. I couldn't go around. And that introduced a whole new way for me to die where I get trapped. <laughs> right. Ah. Yeah. Uh, released in October 1981 at the price of $2,295, uh, $2,295. 25,113 uprights were produced. Tempest sold approximately 20,000 units to distributors before it was even released. So it was a very popular. People were waiting for this game. The main CPU is the the Moz M6502 uh, with a something called a MathBox coprocessor and two Pokey sound chips. Oh, the Pokey! Yes. Pokey just keeps coming up every time we talk about an Atari it game. It's got that Pokey. It does. Uh, it is a two-player game. You control it with uh, um, a spinner dial, as we talked about, and you have uh, two buttons: one for fire and one for the super zap, which is sort of the nuke that blows up everything on the screen. I think you get one of those a level. Well, you get two. You you get one that will blow up everything, and okay. then um, I learned by trial and error that you, it, when you desperately press it again because you're going to die anyway, <laughs> yeah. it just dis- it seems to destroy one random target. It's not always the closest to you or whatever. So you get that a second. You know, uh, dear Lord, please let me win this lottery chance with it as well. 
Okay. But it's really just that first press that wipes out everything. And you do get one of those every level. I was trying to conserve mine. Turns out, no, you just use it every level. You might as well use it because you're not going to get to... Yeah. It refills it, it says. Like, when you're warping... It's a really cool effect when you warp from, like, the one tunnel shape to the next. And during that, it says it's it's, uh, refilling your your super zap. Yep. Um, We talked about uh, the main HLSL filters last time a little bit and vector displays. And this is one of those vector games... It was the first to introduce what Atari called the uh, Quadrascan color system. Uh, they had introduced the vector monitor called the Quadrascan, uh, the, the black and white version with asteroids, and this was their new color version. Um, it was a color XY uh, or vector generator monitor, monitor. It used three color guns and a higher voltage um, and other than that, was the same as the previous monitors. Yeah, I've been I've been reading about these vector things now that I'm so much more aware of them since we've been doing this show and, and talking about the difference between raster games like Made oh, of yeah. Dots and these vector ones. I think it was last episode talked about Jason Scott's article about the sort of the joys of old monitors and and the different effect you get. I was so hyper aware of playing this on a, on an LCD screen and the fact that at, at home that's how I was playing it and and how it doesn't really look like it would have looked in the in the actual arcade I just it's the knowledge we're getting from the, this show is starting to ruin these games for me yeah a little bit well I we we've been accused on um, the Atari age forums of not being all that hardcore which I'm certainly fine with and, and <laughs> totally as I'm, true well yeah absolutely but as I'm getting more learning more about the trivia and, and the tech behind these games I'm like yeah I'm really not hardcore I did not know most of this stuff so uh, it's been a real education for me. Um, the game was ported to pretty much every console out there at the time, uh, the Atari 2600, 5200, and uh, the Sony PlayStation, the Famicom, the Sega Saturn, uh, the Sega Dreamcast, the Nintendo Game Boy, uh, the Xbox, the Nintendo DS, uh, the home computers had it, uh, the Apple II had it uh, released in 1983 as a game mm-hmm. called Tubeway. Uh, it showed up on the Acorn, the Amstrad, the Atari ST, and several versions of Microsoft Windows, the Commodore 64, and the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Super popular um, port. Yes, and of course it's available on pretty much every mobile phone and, and uh, Java platform out there today. I'm sure there are several web browser versions of it. Which is funny because none of these things have spinners. Right, yeah, I, I can't understand... Well, I, I could see sort of a touch screen maybe being a little bit easier because you could move your thumb around the screen and as in the in the shape of a spinner. Um, I, I don't. Oh yeah, I guess. You know, yeah. um, I still don't think you're going to get the same um, same experience. No, that, that, no. That I, I found I was uh, sort of all joking aside. I did find I was really hindered by the fact that I was on on a joystick. The game is a game that was. You know, clearly designed to be a spinner game, like somebody thinking about the spinning side. I, I hear that this was originally like the original original concept was this was supposed to be a three dimensional uh, Star Wars um, Space Invaders. Sure. So the idea was, you know, and that's why the whole you know things coming down at you sort of thing. But then they completely scrapped it and went with this totally other way with this the game that Tempest that we have today. Um, but you can really see how this gameplay was designed around the use of a spinner, and it's a game that requires that. Yeah, and, and in fact, the first prototype of this game 
had a, a shape wireframe spinning uh, and the gunner remaining stationary instead of the other way around, but apparently that caused too much motion sickness. Oh, God, that would mess... This game oh, yeah. messes me up enough as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because your, your own ship is this weird sort of almost... It's like a C-shape kind of, and it spider crawls around the side. It's really <laughs> weird looking. Right. Because it doesn't stay its same shape. It sort of is walking and wiggling. It's, 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 really, it's really bizarre. A bizarre but crazily beautiful game. Like, am I... I, I, I got less of the effect this time because, again, I was playing it on a raster monitor. So I'm, I'm seeing scan lines. I'm seeing dots, that kind of stuff. But my memory is that this, you know, like Gravatar, these games that have really scintillating, you know, these vector graphics are really pop with their colors and stuff. So um, it's a game, I think, that, that does fall short a lot if you're not playing it on original hardware. Oh, definitely. Uh, Tempest, as we said, was released in 1981. Uh, it was followed up in 1994 on the Atari Jaguar by Tempest 2000. Uh, in 1996 on the Sony PlayStation by Tempest X. Uh, and on something called the Nuon uh, in 2000. And the game was called Tempest 3000. I don't know those games. I don't either. Those <sighs> games mean nothing to me. <laughs> That's right. So uh, apparently the the uh, follow-ups either weren't that popular or you and I just aren't that Aren't that hardcore? <laughs> it, may, it may be both of those things. <laughs> right. Uh, at the beginning of the game, you can always start on levels 1, 3, 5, 7, or 9. <clears throat> Whenever you complete a game, you have either 10 seconds uh, until you press a key to continue a game, or you can start a game at any bonus level below where you finished your last game. Therefore, you must end your previous game on level 12 or higher to start the next game on level 11. Uh, for instance, if you start a game on level 17 but don't finish, then your next game can start as high as level 15. Oh, so it'll actually keep bringing you down if you don't... Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't know that having not really got that far into this game. Yep. So that's that's how that uh, skill select system worked. I do know that there are essentially, from what I've read, not from what I've personally experienced, 99 levels. There's the 16 level shapes, but you go through waves of those where the, the levels are going to be color-coded by, by various... Um, uh, difficulty level sort of and that levels 65 through 80 are the invisible section so uh, they, they basically the the grid lines of your board are black so they are invisible so shades of gravitar there and then after level 99 you just get repeated um, random re- uh, random repeats of the of the 16 shapes like from from there forward so. right Th- this is all just what i read it's all here to say to me <laughs> Discover a world beyond your wildest dreams. Discover Atari. Pioneers in coin video games like Centipede. Tempest. And Asteroids. They'll challenge you, excite you, test you like never before. Discover Atari. Atari! And discover how far you can go. This is one of the um, cabinets that I can recognize from a distance. I, I Even back in the day, I used to like it because most, most arcade cabinets have a very similar sort of shape, bulbous on the top and, you know, the, the traditional one. Whereas this is a, it's like a triangle at the top. It's this big wedge shape. Um, so it's a really distinctive shape to the upright cabinet of, of, um, uh, of this game. And I, and I, I always really liked it. And I, I think... There, I, in fact, I know there was a cocktail version as well, and I think there was a cabaret version too. I think Atari made all three. The cabarets are sort of the the skinnier, smaller cabinets that have the marquee usually from the factory below the the screen instead of above. Mm-hmm. I was always a big fan of Atari's um, cabaret cabinets. When I was playing arcade games back in the day, I used to avoid 
uh, cabarets for the most part because they would have a small monitor. So instead of having the 17 or the 19 inch monitor from a normal machine, they'd have a little 13 inch monitor. So scaled down for the size of the cabinet. And so I found it less enjoyable. I want, I want a, the bigger experience. Whereas Atari's cabarets often had the exact same monitor. So uh, if you played Tempest on a cabaret, it would have, you know, the big monitor in just side, inside the, the smaller case. So it was still the exact same experience. So I used to really like Atari's cabarets. Nice. Yeah. So there were several, as we talked about, there are several enemies uh, in the game. Uh, the spikes, uh, they're sort of like this green flower thing that grows up uh, the section. Um, and you can shoot it and then shoot the spike back down. Uh, you have pulsars, which don't appear until level 17. Uh, pulsar tankers, which don't appear until level 40. Um, <clears throat> fuse balls, which show up at uh, level 11. Um, and the flipper tankers, <laughs> which... To me, kind of reminded me of spider eggs, you know, where it sort of floats up to the top and then just bursts open, and all of a sudden you have all these flippers flopping around uh, your play field coming after you. Are those the things that you shoot that then break into the the red bad guys? Right, yes. That's, okay, that's yes. the flipper tanker and the red oh, bad. Yes. Those things are annoying, man, because I, I won't see them necessarily sneaking up on me. Then you shoot them, and they're close to you, and suddenly you're swarmed by multiple guys. Right. It's, ah, yes. Really frustrating. And the, the, red, the red things that you were referring to are, referring to are called flippers. Flippers. Yes. And you, of course, are, are piloting the blaster. Of course I am. Yes. <laughs> My sneaky stepping blaster. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's yes. a bizarre and frantic game. This game just this moves at a, a, a clip when you're playing. I'm, now I'm reading from a, a flyer uh, from the arcade. I think the arcade museum has a, a um, flyer um, archive. This this one says introducing Atari QuadraScan Color. QuadraScan Color is a new vision, a unique Atari developed display system that catapults the player into a new dimension of dazzling color and incredible action. A spectacular three dimensional visual experience that offers unparalleled challenge and excitement. So they were really jazzed about this new um, display system that they had. As am I. You are. Well, it's a good-looking game. Oh, I mean, yes. really for an, It's another one of these vector games that has, you know, essentially very simple graphics. It's just lines, but it it's exciting to look at. It's fast-moving. With all this stuff happening on the screen, you can still tell what's where and stuff. I wouldn't really... I might get overwhelmed, but I wouldn't really get lost. And, you know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a well-designed game, really colorful, really fun to play. Like, just one of the, one of the great classic games to play, even if I suck at it. <laughs> well, apparently having a spinner does make a difference. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, and I see, oh, sorry, um, I was going to say, I see that this is number 10 on the killer list of video games. So it's tied with Centipede. So it's, it's right up there on, on the, the big list. Of yeah, this is, this is definitely a popular game. Um, and, we, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun playing around with the H, HLSL filters on this and, and kind of getting that old school glowy effect uh, that, that we had talked about. Very nice. I yeah. didn't touch those at all. I just sort of squinted and, <laughs> yeah. and r- ranted and shook my fist at my joystick. Is mostly what I focused on. <laughs> Time to buy a spinner, Carrington. Oh, and put on some Rush albums. I should have been playing Rush. Rush, uh, do, you, do you know the sort of the link between this and Rush? Tell me, Carrington. Well, I will tell you, Mike. Um, have you read the book by Ernest Klein called Ready Player One? Um, I did. Oh, well, remember, you'll probably remember that in that, it's the uh, Tempest is the first Crystal Gate challenge in the book. I really liked that book. And so you have to uh, get really far in Tempest or do something with Tempest to beat the first Crystal Gate in that book. Anyway, Ernie Klein also wrote um, that movie about the kids going to see the episode one Star Wars movie. Oh, um, Fanboys. 
fanboys, which I quite liked. And in that, of course, you've got the guy who owns the van who says he only plays Rush. All he plays is Rush, Rush in the van. In Ready Player One as well, there's 2112, the album, uh, features, features heavily in that. And in the Rush video for Subdivisions... Tempest is the video game the kid is playing in that at the end of the Subdivisions video, which I, of course, would know being a Canadian, we are forced to memorize all Rush videos. Well, you guys worship Rush up there, the way that we... <laughs> we do, baby. The yes. way that we worship George W. Bush down here, apparently. Yes, we, we do. Us, us <laughs> uh, Canadian rocker kids did like our Rush. So, um, so, so uh, yeah. I, I assume that the developers had a thing for Rush. It would seem so. Um, I think... It's just that uh, Rush is awesome and um, just goes well with renting video games. <laughs> I don't know. Now, when I was putting my – I got a bit of trivia for you. See if you know this one. When I was uh, – I did have a good enough score to make it onto the high score table of my uh, you know default game install here because it sets the bar pretty low for that. And I, this is the first time playing these games. I didn't enter my own initials. I entered the initials DMK. Do you know why? Why is that? Because of the movie Night of the Comet. Have you seen Night of the Comet? I haven't even heard of that movie. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. Silly Mike. So Night of the Comet is this awesome, cheesy 80s zombie film where a comet comes overboard, uh, over the earth, and everybody who's not encased in lead is, is uh, turned into powder, except a few people who get a little exposed and they're turned into sort of crazy zombie people who eventually turn into powder. And in it... Uh, a major feature of the game is that uh, Reggie, the main character, uh, played by Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, works at a movie theater and plays Tempest all the time and has the, the super high score in Tempest. And then right before this whole Night of the Comet thing happens, it turns out somebody else has, has swept in and got the high score on the machine. And that person has put the initials DMK in there. And then you sort of have this whole movie. Then at the very end of the movie, I won't spoil it for everybody, but we sort of find out who DMK is, gets introduced again at the end of the film. So for me, Tempest is always... Um, related to that movie and the initials DMK. So. Well, it looks like it's available now on streaming streaming video at Netflix, so I know what I'll be doing after we finish recording. To- totally worth watching. Really fun, cheesy, quasi-zombies, 80 <laughs> film. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Love it, yeah. Okay. Well, it's funny you should mention the high score. Uh, the highest score recordable on this game is 999,999. Challenge accepted. That's right. What happens if you get higher than that? Does it like scroll over or does it just stop at that? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm reading from the main info file here. It says that uh, with a bit of practice, you can end the game exactly at 999,999. Do that three times and no one will ever be able to beat your score on a single machine without clearing the high score table. I'm not sure what that means. Except that you're really good. Except that, <laughs> yes, if you get that far, you're pretty darn good at this game. And Rush will write a song and name it after you. Awesome. <laughs> you will be the new Tom Sawyer. <laughs> Well, so, Mike, um, I, I think I know what the answer to this question is, but our, our old question we used to always ask, would, would Tempest make the shortlist of cabinets that you would like to own in the Mike McGinnis Arcade? The, the Carrington Vincent Memorial <laughs> Arcade Hall? Yes. This would, this would definitely be a top 10 machine for me. You know, for me as well, as much as I sucked at this game, it's still fun to play. I remember loving it back in the day. I like the shape of the cabinet. So if I was actually to keep going and try to collect cabinets, it's one of the ones that really stands out, has a great look. I love the look of these colorful vector graphics. Mm. It's something that just is so interesting and so fun to look at. And I think it's a game that could remain challenging over a long period because, well, it's 
easy to know what to do. It's a very difficult game to master. So. Absolutely. Well, and here's a, a tip for you, maybe if if you don't want to invest in in a, a an actual spinner from from one of these arcade places, uh, from one of the arcade parts places, you can uh, get a trackball, and and you'll get the same uh, same functionality in Mame as you would with the spinner. Interesting. So you sort of track left and right, and it spins. Yes. I don't know if that would feel the same though. It doesn't, but it's certainly better than trying to do it with a joystick. Or, oh yeah, or the your, joystick was so hard; I had no control of it. Right, or your arrow keys, or something stupid like that. So right, something stupid something like arrow stupid keys. Like arrow so keys. stupid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a bunch of people give me tips because um, I was whining about how bad I was doing, well, and I didn't really understand their tips. Like a lot of people's tips were about math and angles, and like you know, setting yourself up so it's a more difficult angle for those red crawly things to. to... And I understand how the angle would have anything to do with it. I didn't understand anybody's tips, and I'm good at math. I just don't understand. <laughs> well, I did notice that that when the when the red crawly things uh, did get up to the top with you. Uh, and maybe this has to do with the angle, it, it sometimes was possible to spin through them. I noticed that too, and I could never control why that was going so, to happen. So maybe that has to do with the angle that you're lined up at when you come in contact with these things. Oh, maybe. Because I know that when you're on any of your sort of the walls, you can lean left or right on that as well. You've got sort of two positions in, in every place you can stand. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a bizarre game, and even the tips are hard. What about you, Carrington? Is this one that you would buy and set next to your, your brand new Fix-It Felix <laughs> Fix-It uh, Felix and Tennis. You know what? I totally would. There is um, – absolutely. I, I adore this game. It's definitely one of my all-time favorites. I'm, I'm terrible at it. I think I was bad at it back in the day. But it's a game that I love even though I suck at it. I, I, I see nothing bad about this game. I would love to own one and, and play Rush and play this game <laughs> all the time every day. It'd be, I, my life would be complete. It would be awesome. Nice. Love this game. Okay, so moving on, uh, here's a sound sample from next week's game. Sounded like Sinistar. Uh, no. <laughs> With a little bit of elevator action mixed in. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, I wonder if people will guess. Uh, I'm sure that this will be an easy one. It's a fairly popular game. No, pressure's on now. It is, yep. Well, that was fun. Thank you so for much for uh, thank you so much for podcasting with me. Well, thank you, Carrington. Absolutely, and I will talk to you in a week. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye everybody. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet productions, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.